0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. A lonely stranger went into a deserted restaurant and ordered the breakfast special. When his order arrived, he looked up at the waitress and asked, How about a kind word? And the waitress leaned over and whispered, don't eat the meat <laughs> okay I, I'm going to tell you what I told the first service this morning I uh, listened and and found out from a neurologist uh, uh, was it's a christian neurologist but but not just a Christian, but a bona fide neurologist, and they were talking about the benefits of laughter, the health benefits. How many of you know uh, uh, laughter is healthy? Okay. Yeah. Neurologists state that. And this neurologist even said that our bodies can't distinguish between real laughter or fake laughter and the health benefits of that. So with that in mind, I want to tell this joke again. A lonely stranger went into a deserted restaurant, ordered the breakfast special, and when his order arrived, he looked up at the waitress and said, how about a kind word? And the waitress leaned over and whispered, don't eat the meat. Ah, oh man. That's, great. <clears throat> That's what I'm talking about. <clears throat> we, we are going to serve a meal Following the service this morning, it's, uh, we're having communion, so it's going to be a, a, an appetizer for your real lunch, but it's going to be significant. And the impact on our life, I, and I just want to point out some things before we receive communion with a, a bit of preaching, and the first statement I want to make is this, communion isn't a religious ritual. If we think of it in terms of it just being a ritual, then we are going to miss out on the the impact that it'll make in our lives. And that impact is significant if we know what it's all about. Isn't that right? So it isn't a ritual. Communion is a dynamic remembrance. Memory is a powerful thing, isn't it? It can... It can change, a memory can change our mood for good or for bad. If you have a, a bad remembrance, it can change your mood and make you kind of down. And I, I was thinking about this bad memory. I, I, when I was a new believer, I let a guy off the street stay at my place, and uh, he was there while I was working, and when I got home from work, he had taken off, and the guy had ripped me off. And, you know, I didn't have a whole lot back then, but uh, he, he stole some things. But the thing that I did really miss is I was in the backpacking, and he stole my best sleeping bag. Grr. Can somebody say girl? And, you know, thinking about that, that memory, you know. I forgave him after he did that, and today with the memory, I forgive him again. But you know how it is. Memories can change the way that we, we feel sometimes. But uh, uh, And there are memories that we have, bad memories, that are not so easy to laugh off, like a broken relationship or bankruptcy or a past failure that we have. And those memories can be hurtful. But today, you and I are going to look at a memory That is very good. And this is what communion is all about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 25, it says, For "For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me." Our remembrance of Jesus this morning and what we're going to be a part of in this communion service, that remembrance uh, is a good thing. Now, I want you to tell yourself, uh, I have good memories of Jesus. Jesus. We're remembering what Jesus did for us and continues to do for us. I remember how he saved me. When I became a Christian, I didn't just uh, become a churchgoer or a religious person, I got saved. Jesus rescued me from my sin. He rescued me from myself. I was in trouble, and he saved me. And today, I remember that. Amen. Communion isn't a ritual. It's a dynamic remembrance. And I've entitled this message, Taking communion. And you'll understand what I mean by that as we get into the message. I want to look with you at how you and I see God. It is really important, our image of God. I think it was A.W. Tozier that wrote and said, what comes to mind when we think of God is the most important thing about us. How we view God, how we see God is so critically important in our lives as believers. Uh, Those who don't know God may see God as he is not. So many people have an image of God that is not real and that is not true to who he is. There are a lot of people that see God as a taker. If there's a catastrophic event that happens, if there's a flood, an earthquake, uh, or some other tragedy, a tornado that happens, uh, uh, someone will call it an act of God. If someone dies, uh, some uh, person may say something like, well, you know what? God needed them, so he took them. Now, listen. Listen. There's a lot that happens in our lives and in this side of eternity that we may never fully understand or be able to make sense out of this side of eternity, but there's a day coming where we'll understand all things clearly. Now, some people don't want anything to do with God because they have an understanding about God that is not true. It's not factual as far as who God is and what God does. They may have been told or they think after they've experienced a crisis or a tragedy, well, it was just the will of God. And you know, I've got to say again, I've made this statement a number of times, and I'm going to be saying it again and again and again until Jesus comes, because it's so important for us to understand everything that happens in this life isn't God's will. And I know that some of you may have thought, well, everything that happens has got to be God's will because uh, he's God. But listen, from the very beginning, when God made Adam and Eve, uh, he set things in order. He set them up for success in the garden, uh, uh, but he gave them free will. And because of that free will, they took of the forbidden fruit, sin came in, the world and the uh, the curse came on the earth and therefore to this day there are things that wasn't the will of God for them to fall. God's will was for them to stay blessed and remain blessed but he wanted not a bunch of robots. He wanted free will servants and because of sin that came into the world there are a lot of things that happen in this world that are not the will of God. If that were not true, see, Jesus would never have said in the Lord's Prayer, his model for our basing our prayers on, he would not have said, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If, if, Everything was God's will already. He never would have included that in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it, It would have been futile to put that in the Lord's Prayer. But he said it because you and I as God's people can pray and change the course of things here on earth. And so everything that happens isn't necessarily... Not not only is it not necessarily, everything that happens on earth is in God's will. When we suffer a a financial reversal or a relationship goes bad or or we uh, experience a sickness, we cannot be so quick to put that off on God. And this is a very true statement this morning. God isn't a taker. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. You see, today, Satan is the one who is a taker. He's a thief. He's a robber. He's a liar. He comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. He wants to steal our joy. He wants to steal our hope. He wants to steal our health. He wants to rip off our families, our futures. But listen, Jesus came to put a stop to all of that, and he said, I have come that they might have life, and they may have it more abundantly. See, we need to change the way we think about God. God isn't a taker. He's a giver. In Matthew 7, 7 and 8, and then verse 11, it says, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open." Verse 11, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Somebody say, all right. <laughs> now, I want you to say this with me this morning so we can imprint it on our minds and in our hearts. Say this, God isn't a taker. He's a giver. Now, what does this have to do with Communion. Communion is a dynamic reminder that God is a giver. It reminds us of the links that God went to so that you and I could be saved. In John 3:16 and 17, God's word says, "For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And this is what we remember when we receive communion, and that is God is a giver. In Mark 14, verse 22 and 23, it says as they were eating, Jesus took bread blessed and broke it, and he gave it to them and said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they drank from it. Jesus, when he served communion twice, says he gave. And a key element of communion is remembering God is a giver. God is a giver, and we need to take what he has given. When he gave them the bread, he said, take, eat. This word take means to get a hold of, to obtain, to receive. And my prayer for us this morning is that we get a hold of, that we obtain, and that we receive all that God has given through Jesus Christ and somebody shout, That's for me. That's for me. He's given us a lot, hasn't he? In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, as his divine power has given us all things, say all things. All <laughs> that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Listen, everything that we need for our life, uh, food, clothing, a place to live, uh, peace of mind, uh, forgiveness, everything that we need to live in this life and the life of godliness, God has given through Jesus Christ. And you and I, as his people, need to take it. We need to take it. We need to receive it. Before I gave my life to Christ, uh, I lived with anxiety. I've shared my testimony a number of times, and, and many of you know the, my story, B.C., before Christ, and, and uh, I lived with uh, anxiety, and because of that, I experienced depression through much of my childhood. It shouldn't have been that way. I was raised in a good home, a good family, mom that loved me, a dad that loved me, parents that provided for me, sisters that kind of loved me. And <laughs> it was a good, good upbringing, good home life. But from very early, the thief tried to steal. And uh, back as early as I can remember, I experienced uh, anxiety. Some have heard me tell about my uh, experience in the first grade. I had a teacher that was demonized. And I say that with all seriousness because this woman uh, was a tormentor. She could be so sweet and calm and peaceful one moment and then manifest the next. She reminds me of, it goes back uh, to the old Cheech and Chong thing with the teacher. I don't, I, don't listen to Cheech and Chong. This is, but I remember from way back, the school teacher, class, 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 shut up. Thank you thank you. That's the way this teacher was. She, uh, she would be very calm and then, and then just erupt. She slapped kids across the face, hit them with books, hit a kid over the head with an empty Coke bottle. She was incredible. She would be in a supermax prison today. But because of that, I would be up at 6.30 in the morning at my home, dressed, ready for school, and pacing the floors, waiting to go to first grade hell. And that kind of continued on through my childhood, been into my teenage years, and it was in my teenage years when I went completely off the rails and got into stuff and and uh, anxiety, depression, and then all the junk that uh, some of us have experienced. And so I brought, a and many of you have seen this picture, a picture of me before I gave my life to Christ. This was several several months taken before I got saved. And uh, the expression tells it all. Yeah. At this point in my life, I did not want to live. I didn't have any hope for my future. I was uh, con- uh, com- consumed by anxiety and depression. The only relief I found was in a six-pack or a joint, and I was miserable, no hope for the future. But you know what? Jesus changed my life. Now, there's... There's a new app where you can age yourself, and some of you have seen that reason. You, you can jump uh, 20, 30 years in the future to show what you're going to look like in the future. Well, I didn't use that app. I just used the app called Time, and here I am. That's then. This is now. And uh, if if you'll notice, the expression has completely changed. My outward appearance uh, has changed somewhat, but I'm telling you what is on the inside has changed completely because Jesus offered me eternal life. He offered me forgiveness. He offered me salvation. He offered me peace. He offered me a life with Him, and you know what? I took it, and He changed my life. Now, I'm not saying that I've never had a worry since then. There have been times where I've been anxious about stuff, worried about stuff, uh, and uh, concerned with things, uh, but I don't live in that state any longer. They come, they go, but Jesus is always on the throne in our lives, uh, and He set me free. He has given us, and we need to take it. Say, I'm going to take it. He has provided healing for us, physical and emotional, and we need to take it. He has provided a way for us to make a living, And we need to take it if we're asking uh, and and need a job, if we need a promotion, if we need help in making investments, whatever. We need to know that God is concerned about the things, uh, even the mundane things of life, like making a living, and that he will help us by giving us his favor. In Matthew 6, 31 and 32, he says, So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father, listen to that this morning, your heavenly Father knows that you need. All of these things. And you know what? Knowing He's going to bring provision. He will help us. He has given so much and all that we need. Again, the Bible says that pertains to this life and godliness, and we need to take it. He has given us salvation. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, I want to encourage you this morning. We're going to give you an opportunity to pray and ask Christ to come into your life. You need to take it. He has offered us forgiveness. We need to take it. He's offered us and given us righteousness. We need to take it. See, not only does he forgive us our sins and wipe the slate clean, he comes in and fills that slate up with good things like righteousness, the very righteousness of God. says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For he, God the Father, made him, Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Who would have ever thought that could happen? That God not only forgives us, but then views us as righteous because of what Christ did. And when we receive him into our lives, he declares us righteous. Now I want you to tell yourself, uh, you're righteous. That was pretty weak. I want you to tell yourself like you really believe it. And instead of your, I want you to say, I'm righteous. I'm because righteous. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Not only are we viewed righteous by God, but we can begin to live out that righteousness. In Romans six fourteen, it says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace." You see, we don't have to live the same old way that we've always lived. God has provided for us his grace, his forgiveness. And after his forgiveness, that grace comes and gives an empowerment uh, to where we can begin to live a life that we never thought possible. I never saw myself living the kind of life that I live today when I showed you that old picture of me. It was not, it was so far from reality, but I tell you. 44 years later, I've been living in that reality, and Jesus, you know what the great thing about Him is? He's still changing me. Ah, It's a wonderful thing. He continued from the time that we give our lives to Christ. How many know we come with a lot of baggage? And then God comes and begins to work within our lives and He begins to unpack the bags and get rid of that, uh, that uh, lusty spirit, begins to get rid of that uh, unforgiving, bitter heart and He begins to unpack us uh, over time. And today, you know what? As believers in Jesus Christ, uh, we don't have to continue on the same way that we've always been. There's always hope with God. And he changes us from glory to glory. Thank God for that. Communion reminds us that God is a giver. Say it again. God is a giver. Mark 14, verse 22 says, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take, eat. We've got to get a hold of, obtain, and receive what Jesus has given. As I just close this morning, taking communion reminds us that Jesus paid the price so our lives could be different. We don't have to settle for things in our life like they've always been. Listen to me. Jesus paid too great a price on the cross through His death, through His sacrifice for us, for our lives just to continue on with the negative influence and impact that they've been and the negative behavior, all of that kind of stuff, or the, the uh, difficulties that we face in life and some of those things that, that have happened or that we're experiencing. We don't have to live our lives continuing the same old, same old Jesus is a giver. Now, I pastored a couple in the crew, Kenya, back thirty years ago, and they had had a, a problem carrying a child in their family to to birth they, she, The woman had had four or five miscarriages, and so this was just they went through the the uh, the trauma of that four or five different times, and they had become believers, and so they came to church and after service one day came up to me and said, would you, would you pray for us? We, we would like to be able to have children. And so we agreed. We prayed together. And do you know what God did? You know, that had been the way their life was. The same old, same old was miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. And you know what God did? God says, you know what? That same old, same old was not going to continue. We're going to do something about that. God touched him. And less than a year later, she uh, birthed, took to term and birthed a, a beautiful baby boy. Right on. Amen. They named him Alex Wilson. <laughs> He's probably 30 years old now in the crew. And and they went on to have more children. And so, listen to me this morning. What I'm preaching about is hope. Things don't always have to stay the way that they've always been. You and I as believers aren't fatalists. We don't look at our life and the way things are and say, well, you know, uh, it's just been this way. It always will be. Or whatever will be, will be. We're just, you know, we'll just see what happens. We're not fatalists. Listen, we're realists. And what I mean by that is we believe in a real good God. And that God is a giver. And he gave his life for us, didn't he? He gave everything he could not have given any more than what he gave. This morning, we're going to pray together. And I want you to just bow your head, close your eyes. There are those here that possibly you've never given your life to Christ. We're going to receive communion in just a moment. But before we do... The only requirement for you to receive communion today is for you to be a believer in Jesus Christ, for you to have asked Christ to come into your life, forgive you, and we're going to give you opportunity to do that. If you've never done that before, maybe you've been away from God for a time, and today you want to pray for forgiveness before we receive communion together. Nobody looking around you, just raise your hand up and say, would you include me in this prayer for forgiveness? across this building. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hand. You can put it down. God bless you. Amen. Honest hearts. Let's all pray this together. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for being a giver. You gave your life so that I could have life, so that I could be forgiven. I receive cleansing of your blood for the forgiveness of sins and I thank you for coming into my heart changing my life I will never be the same because of what you've given in your name the name of Jesus amen let's give the Lord a clap and thank him thank you for Lord, it Lord. Our ushers are going to uh, be passing out the cups. Be careful as you take it. There's a cup on top of another cup, so the the juice is on the top and the bread is underneath. And as they're passing out the uh, cups, there's a verse of scripture in Romans chapter eight and verse 32, and it says, "He who did not spare his own son." but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things and so we have a confidence in our lives now that we could have never even imagined possible before and that confidence is god is for us not against us god is a giver and he has given his best for us. As you take the cups and as you uh, hold it, just take the, the, uh, the bread and hold that piece of bread uh, before we receive together. That bread symbolizes the body of Jesus that was broken for our healing. In Isaiah chapter 53, it says, By his stripes we are healed, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24 repeats that verse uh, in the past tense saying, "...by His stripes we were healed." And so this bread that we are holding signifies the body of Jesus that was broken. They whipped Him. The Bible says, "...by His stripes we were healed." And so today, this morning, there's a hope for everyone here that has a need for physical healing by his stripes we were healed if you're dealing with some emotional issues and it just seems that or or your mind just continues to turn on things that are are hurtful painful by his stripes we are healed and today we're going to believe God together for healing to flow in physical bodies in troubled minds, troubled hearts troubled emotions he's able, can you say amen he is willing and today because of his stripes we're healed and I want to encourage us not to just take this as we have many times maybe in the past where we thought "Well, this is just what we do during this time you have a need in your life I want to encourage you as you receive the bread, receive it in faith afresh today for the price that jesus paid for your healing can you say amen Amen. has everyone been served if you if you were not and still need some cups if you would just hold your hand up where we could see it ushers looking for you praise god you guys did good let's pray over the bread (laughs) jesus we thank you for being a giver thank you for giving yourself and for providing for us healing through your broken body. We are so grateful for what you did, and today we agree together for healing to flow in every sick body or every pain that's in people's bodies, every negative uh, circumstance in people's body for tumors, for negative diagnoses from the doctor, for reversal by the healing power of Jesus Christ. For troubled minds, troubled emotions, we speak healing. We speak life into bodies today because of the work that you did. By the shedding of your blood, by the tearing of your flesh, and by your stripes, we were healed. Thank you, Jesus. We receive this semblance and the reminder of your body that was broken for us. We receive it in faith, believing we were healed in Jesus. I want you to say this I am healed in Jesus' name. By your stripes, I was healed. I am healed thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's receive together. The cup is a symbol of His blood that was shed for us so that our lives won't have to always remain the way they were before. 44 and a half years ago, I gave my life to Christ, and I had no idea what was going to happen as a result of that decision. I believed I knew I needed forgiveness. I received Christ honestly in my heart, but I had no idea what would happen as a result of that. You know what He did for me and what He did for you? He changed our lives. Every single sin that we had ever committed, you know, He paid the price for our past sin, for our present sin, for our future sin. He he paid the price for all sin when he shed his blood on the Christ. Aren't you glad for that? Life-changing. But not only did he wipe out our debt, not only did he clear the slate, he loaded us up with his righteousness. And because of that, every one of us needs to be able to know we have a confidence to come boldly before God at any time for anything. I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you've been feeling uh, like, oh, gosh, I just don't ever seem to measure up. You know what? Jesus took care of that when he died for us on the cross. He measured up for us. Aren't you glad for that? And because of that, he gives us his righteousness and then empowers us to be able to change through our lives by the grace that he works in us. And we're so grateful for that. We're going to pray over this cup right now. And today, maybe you've been wrestling with guilt or condemnation. Or, and it could have been for things that were decades ago. Today, I want to encourage you as we receive this cup, receive it in faith, knowing that Jesus took it away 2,000 years ago. We're clean in Jesus' name. Say, I'm clean in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the shedding of your blood, for the forgiveness of all of our sin. Thank you for providing for us the removal of that sin and then also for adding to us your righteousness. Thank you that we have the confidence that we can come before you at any time for anything, that you're a very present help in our lives, Lord, and we thank you. We remember the great cost for giving everything for us so that we could live in a brand new life, an abundant life, and we receive it. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the cup together. Now, would you put the cup down and just give the Lord a big clap offering. Just thank him, would you? We thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to do just one more thing before we dismiss you. Uh, Andy and Shay Pool are taking off on Wednesday to go to Accra, Ghana, Africa for a youth conference there. They're going to be ministering there. And so let's give them a hand as they come up. We're going to pray for them. They're going to be there a couple of weeks. Anybody that's a parent knows that when you leave your child in the care of others, even though they trust them, it is, it is, uh, it's, it's a tough thing for parents to, and especially this is their their first trip, the missions trip like this overseas, and so there's always the the, the thoughts that go on. They are going by faith. They know that God has opened a way for them to go. They know and are confident that God's going to use them there and that God's going to protect Oliver while they're gone. I shouldn't say protect from these grandparents. No. He will be blessed and well cared for while they're gone. But for those nagging things that can kind of be a concern, we're going to pray for uh, for traveling mercies there and back. But beyond that, the gift of God is on this couple's life. And, and uh, you know, I, every time I hear either of them speak to us as a congregation or in, in a, any kind of a teaching format or whatever that I've heard them, I got to tell you, you know, they, they, uh, uh, they kind of irritate me. And I, I say that because they are so natural. That gifting just flows so easily through them. I wrestle and struggled a, a lot in early ministry and, and uh, you know they, they have a gifting that flows through them naturally' it, it, isn't, it isn't natural, it's supernatural. But they just uh, they have a, a degree of trusting God for that gifting to, work through them and move through them. And we're going to believe with them that as they go and know that God has a word for those people through their lips and through their lives, through their impartation, that's going to be literally life-changing. Sick people will be healed. Uh, People that need to be born again will be born again and people wrestling and trying to find out their own gifting, calling, and ministry are gonna receive words of life and encouragement and hope for their lives. And so I wanna encourage you guys to stretch your hands out toward them as we lay hands on them, knowing what God is going to do in advance. He's a giver and he's giving this couple to that nation for this time. Thank you for that, Lord. We release your blessing your favor, your anointing, and your peace, God. Thank you, Lord, that as they go, Oliver is going to be well cared for. God, he's going to be doing well and good while they're gone, Lord, that their minds will be at ease, that you give them uh, great traveling mercies there and back, uh, Lord, and that while they're there, your Word burning in them and causing a transformation in the lives of those that they speak to. We thank you for them, their gifting that you have placed in their lives. God, you have given them as a gift, and you are releasing them for this time, Lord, for this place, and we thank you that they will receive those words. You've gone before them, preparing the way. We thank you in advance for all that you're going to do, and thank you that we'll hear a good report. As they return, we praise you. We thank you in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody shouted, Amen. 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 Bless you guys. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.